of the recap, part of Pastoring Out Loud, where we go over the previous week's sermon. This past week was Genesis 39 recap, or really extending conversation and opinions, the P in opinions. Dave, you preached Genesis 39, one of your last few sermons before you go on sabbatical. Indeed. Are you going to miss preaching? Yeah, I think I will. Are you going to miss people? Yes. Are you going to miss opinions? (laughs) Sometimes. Depends on who they're coming from. What happens in Genesis 39, Dave? Uh, Genesis 39 is uh, Joseph in Potiphar's house. It's the whole uh, incident with Potiphar's wife. And so my three points were witness, not witness, witness, and forced vocation, witness and facing temptation, and witness and facing persecution. So uh, the author just makes a really, uh, I, I think, intentional point to over and over again say how God was with Joseph. And when Joseph is faced with temptation after basically climbing the ladder in Potiphar's house because of God's presence and God giving him favor. Uh, I think it's, I think that Potiphar is blessed as a fulfillment of the promise God made to Abraham that he would bless those who bless him and curse those who curse him. So as Potiphar blesses Joseph with more responsibility, Potiphar is blessed uh, by God as a result of Joseph. And he climbs up and pretty soon he's in charge of everything except for what Potiphar eats three times a day. I guess he gets to still decide that himself, but everything else he puts (laughs) under Joseph's care. Um, It's a picky eater. That's right. And then in the next section, uh, we find out that Joseph's a super handsome guy. Uh, The same same phrased, he's handsome in form and appearance that was used of his wife or his wife, his mom, Rachel. There are some uh, pretty messed up familial relations here, but not in this particular case. That's right. Um, she was beautiful in form and appearance, and so he's good looking, he's successful. God's been with him despite being enslaved and abandoned and betrayed. And Potiphar's wife, who is probably used to getting her way quite often and quite quickly, basically demands uh, that he sleep with her. And Joseph basically says, um, no, I want fellowship with God more than I want this in this moment. And because of who God is and what he says is true, I respect your marriage. I respect my master and I want to honor God. And he says no over and over and over and over again. It says day after day after day, she tried to seduce him. Um, And then finally, when she gets sick of it uh, enough, there's a day where no one else is in the house. And so she grabs him and tries to be even more forceful in her attempt with him. And he flees and she takes his garment um, and sits there all day and waits for Potiphar to come home and accuses Joseph and blames Potiphar for bringing this Hebrew slave in among them. Uh, I didn't get to talk about this a ton in the sermon, but there was quite a um, an ethnocentrism, you would call it today, like in Egypt, they really were not big fans of foreigners. They thought they were the top of the line, everything. So that would have been a, quite a stinging indictment to Potiphar, uh, that he trusted this foreigner that was a slave, and now this foreigner has hurt his wife. Um, Potiphar does not seem to do a lot of investigation. He just throws Joseph in prison, and right after 
Um, so, so in verse one, we've got, you know, here's where Joseph is, here's where he landed. And in verses 19 to 20, we have, here's where Joseph is, here's where he landed in, in verse two. In verse 21, right after we find out these hardships he's in, the author says, but God was with Joseph. And that, so that's where we end with Joseph basically in charge of everything in the prison um, because God is, is with him even there. Um, and so the, the point I made at the beginning is, you know, what do we need most? And I just argued from Genesis and from uh, the whole of Scripture that what we need most is the presence of God. We need him with us. And then the way we end it is by saying, so what do we have? And in Jesus, by the Spirit, we have his presence now and we'll have it forever. And that's what we see. That, that's how Joseph was able to endure slavery and temptation in prison with a happy, hopeful heart at peace the who's where his it seems just like his hands and his mind were always to how can I do good here how can I honor my savior or my my God here and um it's just what he kept doing you know it's as you read you're looking for bitterness and frustration and you, you just don't see it in this text doesn't mean it wasn't there in passing moments but I think because you don't see it in in total, it means that that wasn't the general disposition, or at least he was seeking the Lord enough in this that that's not what was coming out uh, most of the time. Though I think, I think there's some hints of it maybe later with his brothers, where he's doing some testing of them, and he's maybe maybe a little bit undone by their appearing again. But here, that's not what we get. So, pretty amazing story of, of what what it means that God is with us and what that means about all the situations that we find ourselves in. Yeah. I find the, the sovereignty of God. It's just shocking in terms of, yes, here's Joseph at a precise moment, at a precise place, at a precise time for him to be wrongly accused and be thrown in prison so that at a precise moment, at a precise place, at a precise time, he can be with the baker and the cupbearer. So that precise moment, at precise place, precise time, yep. he can be before Pharaoh. So the precise moment, precise place, precise time, he can be. It's a tongue twister. With his, yeah, it's getting hard. He can be with his brothers. Amen. You yep. know, like it's yep. just like the sovereignty of God is on full display, and here is another step in. A quick question before I give it to Stacy and Nick here. Yeah. If you were forced to write an unalliterated outline, would you develop a twitch? <laughs> Or would your blood pressure spike? I uh, no, I would probably do it and just not enjoy the process quite as much. Oh, so alliterations for your pleasure? I think it is, and the good of the people. I, yeah, I I don't. Do good Christian hedonists alliterate their sermons? They don't have to. Why are you saying saying it like that? <laughs> alliterate? Yeah, alliterate. <laughs> I, it it just is what happens as my mind works and I think about something. I don't know why. This coming Sunday, they're not all going to be the same letter. Each point is alliterated, but they're not all the same letter. So I don't know why my mind does what it does. I like stuff to sound good, though. Fair. That's fair. Um, so since we have both Stacy and Nick with us, with us, with us, uh, what observations <laughs> did you have about the the text, about the sermon? Yeah, I just, I love the way that you weave God's withness uh, and his presence with us and tied it to just over and over and over fighting and facing temptation and fighting the fight of faith. 
just think that's so key. And it, 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 I guess it stood out to me more uh, in this time around than it ever has reading this text before, just day after day. Mm-hmm. Like this was a constant thing. And God's presence made all the difference with Joe. Like he was real to mm-hmm. Joseph. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, he's right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like picture him in the room. <laughs> because he is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So that just, that just stood out to me this time more than it has before. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Stacy. Well, as I was listening to this story, I mean the sermon in the story, the story in the, the sermon, sermon, I mean about the, the story, story in the sermon. Yes. Um, the story I was thinking sermon. I was wondering, you know, how did Joseph respond this way and really flourish where he was through all the hard things that had happened to him and ways that he had been sinned against. Mm-hmm. And as Dave kept pointing us back to it was the Lord being with him, the Lord showing him steadfast love. And that, I mean, it doesn't go into all of this. We don't know for sure. Um, they don't describe everything that's going on inside of Joseph's heart, but he really must have been like rooted in God and his faithfulness and love for him to be able to flourish in this way and bear good fruit where he is. I almost thought of like the Psalm one kind of like mm-hmm. planted you know, mm-hmm. in that way and like, flourishing um, with where the Lord put him. And it just, it was kind of amazing and pray to have that kind of rootedness in the Lord's love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think in light of a couple weeks ago's sermon on Judah, I think the, you know, with both lines being highlighted, Judah and Joseph, it is not only, you know, like, oh, hey, where's the promised seed going to come from? But how will that seed be protected? Mm-hmm. And that's where Joseph's story is really important. Mm-hmm. Under the hand of a sovereign God, what man meant for evil, God meant for good, so that many may live, including Judah, mm-hmm. uh, who is actually one of the, the bad guys initially mm-hmm. in the story. Mm-hmm. Anything else that you wish you had had more time to unpack or other things that you could have said, but didn't say coming out of your prep or anything like that, Dave? Um, not, not, a, not a ton. I mean, there's, there's a, a, you know, speculation about cultural things, you know, how, how culturally normal was it for a servant and a master to have this kind of relationship and how strange it was for the wife to have a relationship with a slave. Um, just so there, there's some, there's some interesting things there, but nothing that I think really affects the main uh, point. Just to Stacy's point, I think that the phrase steadfast love is really important in what you both just said. And I didn't have a ton of time to go here, but steadfast love really means covenant love, uh, which, which means that day by day, Joseph was a recipient of a love that couldn't stop, that was meant to keep the covenant, I think, that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I think that's the covenant love that's being talked about here as protection and proliferation of yeah, the, this line that's going to ultimately lead to Jesus. So I made that connection at the end, um, but that's a really important phrase, covenant love. Mm-hmm. Any other observations? King the shaking of the head. No. 
This week is Genesis 40. Dave, right? You're preaching again? And we have a week off of Genesis. We're, uh, we're having a celebration service for David Livingston's 35 plus years at Bethlehem and now South Cities. And then you get one more sermon. Yep. Uh, June 4th on Genesis 41. Yep. Is that right? Before yep. you're on sabbatical. And then it's a, yeah. a potpourri of preachers. Mm-hmm. Hey, good alliteration. Oh. Mm-hmm. Alliteration. A alliteration. How do you say it? Alliterate? Alliterate. Uh. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I could be wrong. Just not how I said it. It's fine. Not big deal. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs>